This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, whoa, seriously, you never watched The Edge of Seventeen? Or, you still haven't seen But I'm a Cheerleader? Or, how have you not seen The Road Warrior? Hello, all. Welcome back to How Have You Not Seen. I'm your co-host, Carson Betts. And I am your other co-host, Caroline Thompson. This is a movie podcast where every week one of us brings one of our favorite movies the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. And then we go off and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. It's gonna be sick. Sure. <laughs> sure thing. Sure thing. <laughs> Crash. <laughs> All right, enough Foley work. Caroline, how have you not seen Mad Max 2 colon The Road Warrior? Oh, that's a phenomenal question. Um, especially because like I love Fury Road. Um Oh yeah. You know, I think it's just one of those things that, so I've seen, I've seen the first Mad Max and I have seen, um, Fury Road, but I have not seen, um, The Road Warrior or Beyond Thunderdome. Um, yeah. And it was one of those things where I, I've been meaning to watch it for forever. They come off and on like Netflix or Amazon Prime or like all those, they're kind of always cycling through there. And, um... I guess I guess I find myself with a lot of series like this. I find myself caught in the loop of I want to watch a new movie. Um, oh, I haven't seen I haven't seen The Road Warrior. Ah, uh, but it's been a couple years since I've seen the first Mad Max, so like mm-hmm. I probably should refresh myself. But I want to watch a new movie. Okay, then like I'll watch that another time. Um, yeah, which is very much my plan. Uh, while we're watching, um, while we're you know, taking our couple days to watch all these movies. I'm planning on watching um, the first Mad Max again, just for, you know, a little bit of context, because it's been, it has been a while. But, um, you know, and I I do think it's one of those things, too, where, um, from what I understand, all four Mad Max movies, they kind of, they kind of stand on their own, right? Like... I've yeah. heard that, like, I've heard that you can watch two or three, because four, I, I mean, if you even want to call it four, um, Fury Road is very much its own, like, standalone thing. Like, it's got a lot of similar aesthetics, it's got a lot of similar vibes, but, like, it's not really a f- sequel. It's not really, like, a direct follow-up, like, continuing a story. And I've kind of heard that like in the same way that like the evil dead movies are like technically one and two and then army of darkness uh-huh. is the third you can kind of just like all you really need to know is like with evil dead music it's like okay there's like weird like witchy zombies like there's like weird demonic zombie possession cool got it like with mad yeah. max it's like eh, yeah like society's kind of crumbled and like vroom vroom gasoline G- guzzling excuse you Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, guzzling. Uh, yeah, you you basically, I mean, yeah, Caroline, you just covered like everything I was going to say. Um, yeah, it's there. I, th- I think that the Evil Dead comparison is pretty like damn spot on for the first three of these movies because the, the first one, and th- this goes for both Evil Dead and Mad Max. The first one is like, despite being like a very violent, trashy genre flick, is essentially like an independent art film. And then the second one is like a sequel but really kind of a reimagining and extension of the original premise with more filmmaking talent and more money and then the third one is basically a sequel to the second one but also you could really watch it on its own and then i don't know because then it stops because it's then like is the evil dead remake like fury road no not really but yeah for for those listening along at yeah, home if you yeah. want to watch road warrior you could 
you don't need to watch the first Mad Max. You could, I mean, you should. It's very interesting, but you, you could just watch Road Warrior. Yeah, definitely. So, Caroline, what do you know about the Road Warrior? The Road Warrior. The Warrior of the Road. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, we kind of covered a little bit of that um, just now with, like, the way that the series and the franchise kind of works. Um, I do know that, like... So, I've seen the first one, and the first one is a little bit more... It's less like full on post apocalyptic and more just kind of like it's kind of lawless. Like there's still like he's a cop in the first one. Yeah. And it's kind of just like, you know, it's the first one, the aesthetic of the first one is kind of just like it's a lawless time. But the second one is when it gets into really like dystopic, like like they've all got like the leather and the in the in the crazy hot rods and everything is like mm-hmm. kind of destroyed and it's more of like a like full on like post apocalyptic vibe um and i don't know i mean i know the poster where he's got the kind of like the the kind of like sawed off shotgun um and he's walking with the dog mhm and um, so I assume there's a nice dog character in this, and it looks like um, he is hanging out with our um, our lead character, who is unfortunately played by Mel Gibson. But um, yeah, um, cars go vroom vroom. Cars do um, go vroom vroom. That is true. Gun go shoot ter- shoot. Car go vroom vroom. Gun go shoot shoot. Yeah. Um, in terms of like actual story and plot, I don't really know much. I would assume he is traveling a lot and um uh, in in running into encounters on the road that he must fight, which makes him the road warrior. <laughs> but mm, um be- beyond that, I beyond that I don't really know too much. Like I don't know that I could name another actor in the film and I don't know if that's just because of ignorance or just because like it's an old lower budget movie kind of like similar to evil dead. Like you can name Bruce Campbell and like, yeah, who the fuck else from that series can you name? I, yeah, I would say the only other person of note in the cast, and ironically it's another Bruce is a, a Bruce Spence who you'll, you'll meet, but maybe my favorite character in the movie, the gyrocopter man, who's a consistent collaborator of uh, the director, George Miller's and also was in, the, I think he was in the Star Wars prequel series and he was uh, the voice of one of the sharks in Finding Nemo. Like he's he's had a pretty long career, even if he's not, you know, known by name. Uh, but yeah, other than that, Mel Gibson's the the, the primary uh, actor which comes out, which come out of these series. Other than that, it's all just Australian character actors that George Miller knows and they're all, they're all just so fantastic and so dirty. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, I think that really is probably all I know. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I think that's about all you need to know. Everything else will be given on to you. I, I will say the way I always the first Mad Max is. I, I was kind of sad, honestly, that you'd seen it before because I think it's a it's a weird movie. I think that like if you have an idea, if you've seen Fury Road or you have even some vague cultural knowledge of like what Mad Max is, if you go and watch the first Mad Max, you're gonna be like, wait a second, what the fuck is this? Like there's no dirt, there's no, you know, there's no crazy no, exactly. apocalypse people. It's like it's I always describe it's like they're it as all building. Yeah, there's there's like he's a cop. Like there's a justice system still. Like what? Like it's weird. Um but like I always describe it as it's one of the only movies I know that's like not, it's not post-apocalypse. It's like para-apocalypse. Like there's an apocalypse happening, like kind of over there. Like we're just not really looking at it right now. Um, That's weird. All right. right, Well, uh, if there's nothing else, you know, about the road warrior, then I think it's time that we move on to our little game of the week. Ding, 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 ring the bells. So, Caroline, this week, we are going to be playing a classic Rotten Tomatoes Prices Right for those at home. It's the game's exactly like it sounds. We're going to be looking at Rotten Tomatoes scores for three different movies. Me and Caroline are both going to guess what the score is and the closest to the actual score without going over wins. Best two out of three. Caroline, are you ready? 
I am so ready. Hell yeah. As always, when we play this game, we're going to start off with the film that we're talking about, which is Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Oof, so this is one of those, this is always, it's always hard to do movies like this. And I feel like you can say that about any movie, but um, because this is a, it's a classic and I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call it a cult classic because it got a third movie, you know, like I think it was pretty popular at the time, but it is a genre flick. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like, you're kind of hard pressed nowadays to say, you know, to find somebody who's like, oh, well, you know, like, like those Mad Max movies, like they're terrible. Like they might say like, they're not my cup of tea, but I don't really know you're kind of hard pressed to find somebody who says they're terrible, but when they were coming out, how were they reviewed? And I'm going to go ahead and say for the road warrior, I'm going to say 86%. That's a very good guess. Cause I think, I feel like there's gotta be a little bit of leeway because older movies also always have fewer reviews. So like, yeah, you know, one negative review takes up, you know, knocks it down a larger percentage than just, um, than like with a movie that's coming out today. So I'm going to mm. go ahead and say 86, assuming that there's a couple naysayers out there, but that overwhelmingly, like, it's pretty positive. I'm going to, I think I'm going to strategize here and I'm going to assume that exactly that phenomenon might have taken place. And because it's the genre flick and because it's old, it might be a little lower than its its current esteem might suggest. Uh, so I'm going to go for 78. 78. Okay. Yeah, me. Next movie. The Road. Oh, Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, this is the one with Vigo in it. Um, which I, yes, I don't know if I've seen this. I've, I've read the book. I read the book when I was in college. Um, but I don't know if I've seen the movie or if I just read the book and envisioned Viggo Mortensen as the lead. Um, <laughs> the Road. The Road. Um, God, this could be anywhere. I, I'm assuming it's above a 50. If, 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 if this one was 98%, I would believe it. If this one was 62%, I would believe it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say 88 for the road. Damn. Damn. Yeah. I just, I feel like hmm. it's high. I feel like it's high. I, I, I also think it's high, you know, for the hell of it, I'm going to go the opposite, opposite of my cur- of my last strategy. I'm going to go 94. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen this movie? I'm swinging big. I have not. I have not seen the road. Okay. I've, I've just, I've heard it's just horribly sad. And it's always, it's just one of those movies. Like, I mean, I like an oppressively dark movie. I can, I can get into that, but like, I'm so rarely in the mood for it, you know? Yeah. The novel is um, absurdly upsetting. Yeah. That's, that's um, especially in just, in just bleakness. Like it's yeah. not even that thing where it's like, it's like every, you know, other page, somebody's getting like, brutally murdered and you're losing all of your favorite characters it's just so bleak yeah it's not dramatic it's not game of thrones it's not, not like dramatic and epic it's it's just oh yeah. all right and so for our, for a third film the 79 walter hill directed classic the warriors oh Caroline the warriors no, I don't oh, think I God. will. Another, another weird, dark, pseudo-apocalyptic violence uh-huh. movie. Um, I, I like your game here. I like your game here. I thought maybe, I thought maybe your next <laughs> movie was going to be Road to Perdition. Um, oh, that would have been good, too. <laughs> the trilogy. Um, <laughs> um, ooh, The Warriors. I'm going to go ahead and say... I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive this one's in the seventies. Um, I feel like I've just like like that run up against this one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say 72% for the warriors. 72. All right. I'll, you know what? 
I know it came out in 79. I'm going to say 79. I think that might be a little high, but that's what I'm going to say. Honestly, very good. Honestly, very, very good. Excellent. Good joke. Good bit. Thank you. Thank you. Pretty good. I, uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm, I'm an, I'm an actor. I, 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 I play the strings of the human soul. Carson just lost a million points in the overall standings of the games for this season, just so all of our listeners are aware. Hi, producer Corey. How are you? Uh, Much worse now. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you two, would you just like to to forget that I ever said that and go watch The Road Warrior? Yeah, I think that's probably for the best. Okay, let's let's do it. I'll we'll see you on the back half. All right, we'll see you guys all after the break. Uh, and we're back. Uh, if I was at all confident with my accent work, I would have tried to say this with an Australian accent, but we are back. We're back. We're back. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, real quick, Caroline. Mm-hmm. The Road Warrior. What did you think? Um, it rules. This rules. Yeah, like, right? Like, genu- genu- genuinely. Like, this was pretty fucking cool. This is pretty nice. fucking cool. Um, Fantastic. I I see, um, I see why this movie was so popular. I see why it got the sequel, and I see why for twenty years people were clamoring for to get a fourth one. And I see why uh, the fourth one is what the fourth one is. Having seen this one, like the the that DNA of um, the DNA of the Road Warrior is definitely still in um, Fury Road, like one hundred and ten percent. Caroline, we gotta we gotta do the rest of our game here, but can I just real quick before we do, can I can I tell you my like one problem with this movie? Is that it ends? Like I don't know what well, that that's also an issue, but I have like one fundamental problem with this movie. My one fundamental problem with the Road Warrior is that it's not Mad Max Fury Road. Like that's that's the only thing. That is legitimately the only thing I can say about it that is like less than amazing. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. If if they came out in reverse order, I would say that you have a point. But like, like of well, course yeah. it's not Fury Road. Like, like Road Warrior, Road Warrior zoomed so that Fury Road could zip. I I don't know. So that Fury Road could play electric Vroom. guitar. Yeah, play electric <laughs> guitar in the back of a car and shoot <laughs> fire out of it. Oh, man. All right. Well, before we get any further, let's finish up our game of Rotten Tomatoes prices, right? Let me... Oh, no. My notes are not open. Yes, they are. To remind everyone, uh, just briefly, of the three films that we just guessed, we did The Road Warrior, of course. Of course. The Road, of course. Cormac and, McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors! You did that joke the last time, I'm pretty sure, too. So You, you, know, you 100% really gonna be, did. That's going to... The audience is going to just just eat that up but let's get to it for the road warrior caroline you guessed 86 i guessed 78 that was a stupid fucking guess on my part because (laughs) it is 94 i think exactly i think exactly two weeks ago i think that is also what edge of 17 was i think we like i made the same mistake with that yeah you did you you undershot me for edge of 17 hugely can and confirm same same score wow um, wow yeah you undershot me for edge of 17 and it was a 94 so when in doubt it's kind of like remember in like school they're like when in doubt just pick c like when in doubt yeah. just guess 94 that's well hey it, maybe that's gonna work because for the road i did guess 94 and you guessed 88 uh-oh and the, ro- and the road if the road is, is 94 uh, i'm gonna lose my mind no it's 74 ah uh, okay uh, all right well caroline so we both overshot it i was gonna say can i get a oh. clarification on the rotten tomatoes prices right that's uh, actually yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, if, if you has, go over you bust if you go over true. you bust that's true so it's still anybody's game it's still anybody's game oh it might be a tie oh it could be it could be a tie okay so for for 
the Warriors. I won't I won't do the voice ever again. I promise I'll never do it. Okay. <laughs> Two and done. Um Caroline gets 72, I guess 79. And the Warriors is 86. So uh man, folks, that is a that's a stale main ourselves a tie. It's cat's yeah. game. Do we yeah. do we do do we want a tiebreaker or do we want to, what do we want? Let, okay. Yeah. And you know what? No. Hey, Caroline, I don't know about you, but I'm into this. I think, I think tiebreaker and we do it right now. And Corey decides the movie and it okay. can be anything. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, cool. I can, I can do that. Okay. All right. All right. Here Here's we go. Corey. It's, it's on you. <laughs> All right. Uh, for the tiebreaker, we're going to go with the 1985 Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh. Okay. It's not as good. It's still pretty good. It's not as good though. Not as good. Not as good. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna go ahead and say a flat seventy. Caroline oh. said seventy. I don't think it's that low. I I'll oh man. I'm gonna go seventy-nine. Oof, 79. you bastard. I know. All right. oh, so and I didn't want to go all the way to 80. It is drum roll. It oh, is man. 80%. Oh! Oh! No. oh. Uh, okay. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I'm Take praying to fucking Tina crown and get out of here. Oh, my, my diadem. I get to wear it this week. Oh, oh, fantastic. I pray to Tina Turner. I, I thank you, uh, George Miller, for, I don't know, Max's very weird mullet in that movie. Um, all right, well, let's get into it. That's Beyond Thunderdome. This is The Road Warrior. Uh, yeah, Road it Warrior, is. it fucking rules. I mean, I'm glad that you think so, because it's just yeah, like, it, it just fucking kicks rules. Ass. It fucking it just rules. Kicks ass. Can, I, can I, before you say anything, can I just... I just real quickly, real quickly. I'm just yeah, gonna do. This. I'm gonna. I just wanna. I just wanna read off some of the fucking names. The the names of characters in this movie. <laughs> yeah. We got Papagayo, Cody, <laughs> Wes, great Feral Kid, fucking Feral Kid, Feral Kid. The rules. Feral Kid. Yep. The Feral Kid. He's a kid. He's Feral. He's the Feral Kid. We got Captain's Girl, Curmudgeon, Big Rebecca. Big Rebecca Caroline. That's a great name. And uh, oh, oh, and did I did I forget? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I forget uh uh the fucking um Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla malevolence courses through his huge pectorals and pulses visibly under his bald sutured scalp. That is right. That is the Lord Humongous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The pretty Lord good humongous pretty good it's great it's great ah uh, so so sorry to, for that sidetrack but look respect needed to be paid to Lord yeah humongous. it's important to it's important to underpin everything we say with the ridiculous names of those characters because they're flawless they're, they're flawless so good. i just love mm, sorry go on caroline talker i'll just i'll go on forever no um yeah i mean so look I, I, I give this take a lot. Um, it's true of everything. I, I say it all the time. It's why I like the Muppets. It's why I like Christopher Nolan movies. It's why it's I like the, the Fast and the Furious. I know, but like, Where roll, is with this going? roll with me. I'm, I'm, no, I'm interested. Just like, just like anytime you can do something just completely bonkers bananas in camera, and you can trick my brain and not even trick my brain because like with like the stunts in this movie, like it's yeah, obviously stunt cars don't go at 70 miles an hour. They're really going probably like 17, 18, 20, but like, you know, um, like anytime you can do this kind of stuff in camera, it, it just, it just, it excites my brain. There's a, there's a level of realism there that always ratchets up the stakes there's a level of realism and like immersion that I get like subconsciously just as a viewer, like I know that to be true, but also as somebody who, you know, is not really a filmmaker, obviously, but I, as somebody who really appreciates the hell out of film and as somebody who's done a lot of live theater, mm. like 
performing like people being able to perform these stunts and like knowing in my brain like these are real people doing this like not only is this actor doing this crazy incredible thing not only is a stunt driver doing this crazy incredible thing but like like there is a camera crew like yeah. right in front of them like going just as fast you know any like my my brain from an, an appreciation and like a technical knowledge and an actual like conscious like let me think about this it, it just it always gets me it always gets me anytime you can do shit like this in camera um and again it, like i said it's why i like the muppets it's why i like christopher nolan it's why i like the fast and the furious movies it's why i like um it's why i apparently like mad max movies and it's why yeah. i like fury road too like so much of fury road is done practically with the vehicles like a lot of it is embellished with cgi but most of the driving is real vehicles and it's They're, just it's incredible yeah. They're really dipping. I think I might have mentioned it last time. My favorite, maybe my favorite interview on a special features of a Blu-ray ever is Tom Hardy being like, I don't want to get on that thing. And George Miller being like, I don't know what to tell you, bud. You're, you're getting on yeah. the thing. We're going to dip your face this close to the desert yeah. uh, while the car is moving. That's that's just yeah. what's happening. Just like um, Yumi and Warners, we've got a contract. And uh, yeah. guess what, my guy? <laughs> and, uh, we got a guy on a camera and he's going to shoot your face that close to the desert. Yeah, I mean, it's the exa- it is like George Miller cutting frames to make it look, I mean, which is, you know, not a, a Miller specific thing to do, but I think he, I mean, with throughout the Mad Max films and you can see him get better at it. Like the, the speed, even the few moments, cause there's less driving in beyond Thunderdome, which is, I, I think is one of the reasons why it's not as good. Um, but like, and he gets better as, as, as he goes along, but just like the cutting frames to make it look like a car is going faster than it really is, is like such a time tested technique that like looks terrible when you do it wrong but when you do it right really does it's just like oh they're going fast like oh it's right. going so fast yeah. but yeah they are just going 20 miles an hour i mean i think too and not just to heap praise on the kind of technical aspects of this movie but like i i do think that they're i think i think it's 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 double hinged i think there is something about the way the very peculiar way that george miller writes dialogue like and it 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 shows up in the character names um but like just his word choice and this very particular cadence that all the characters have that is just so infectious and gets stuck in your brain like yeah, you know, and uh and on top of that I mean I think the script of this thing is just like it's pretty rock solid like it is it is every you know it's it's set up some payoffs and the thing i was i was yelling about in the paddington episode like it is it is just very well constructed as a as a narrative and and on top of that uh it's one of those very well constructed narratives in which really the central character doesn't need to change or grow that much like max changes uh arguably not at all like he is he starts a lone wanderer who's just out for himself and he pretty much ends there too right like which the, is I mean, how there, I, yeah i would argue there's Sorry, a little on. bit yeah i, I mean a i bit. would argue that a there's bit. a little bit in that like it is the thing of like he i don't know if he necessarily learns that he has to and or should help people but like he admits that he should and he does it and also it is that thing where it's like if there's any form of an arc to to max in this movie it's it's not very far, but it is just the thing of like in the beginning, like like the first couple minutes he's on screen, he uh, goes up to the gyro pilot and is like ready to kill him, like ready to just like let him die to get his stuff. Um, and then at the end, he's happy that he did not die. Like he, yeah. he sees the gyro pilot there at the end and he just goes, oh, wow, like I'm happy you're not dead. Whereas, yeah. Whereas 75 minutes ago of movie time, I was content to let you die. Yeah, yeah. And that, oh man, Bruce Spence as the gyro, oh, as I, the gyrocopter guy. Oh, he's great. He's so good. He's He's got just he, such an incredible face. Like Yeah, it's so like it's so like ovular. He has such an ovular yes. face. Oh, he he do you, okay, do you know? And this is this is me uh I mean straight up just stealing a fact that I'm 
I, I have heard, like, I'm pretty sure I've heard Griffin Newman say this on Blank Check like three times, but it, it's amazing. And it, and it, it needs be said uh, that Bruce Spence is, he exists in the Star Wars universe, the Lord of the Rings universe, in Pixar because he's in Finding Nemo. I think something else that, oh, and in Mad Max, and, and in fucking uh, Mad Max, he's in multiple of the Mad Max films. Because he was he, in Lord uh, of the Rings. Doing, he's a, like a mocap guy. I'm not entirely, he's some. Gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. But he's an Australian actor. I mean, he, you know, it's a hop, skip, and yeah. a jump over to New Zealand. And, yeah. and then similarly, when in Clone, uh, or Attack of the Clones, not Clone Wars, in Attack of the Clones, when George Lucas decided no more shooting in Britain, now everything happens. <sighs> <laughs> in Australia for uh, some reason. I'm not entirely sure. And and suddenly all the background actors are Aussies. Um, yeah, Bruce Spence. I don't even know if he's actually, like he's credited, but I don't even know if he actually appears in the film. I think he was like one of the one of the weird alien Jedi in the back. I'm I'm pretty sure. Don't no, no, no. In Star that. Wars, he is. Um, God, I hate that I fucking know this. I, oh. I googled it and I saw a picture of who he is, and I hate that I know exactly what this is. But um, in in Revenge of the Sith, when Obi Wan uh-huh. is um on his little uh when he's on his front when he's riding yeah. the riding the lizard around, um, Bruce Spence is like the whatever like the diplomat the leader of the planet like the alien man um uh, and he's like he's like oh no there's like it's i mean it's george lucas writing at his finest but he's just <laughs> like he's like he's like there are no like trade federation like anyone here and then he leans into obi-wan and says something just like they can't hear us talking about it but like they're here and they're on the fifth floor and it's like <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's like the alien, like envoy of like the government or whatever. And then he's also, of I just course. saw at least one thing um, in the Lord of the Rings, and he might be multiple because a lot of folks like this do multiple like bit roles. Yeah. But he's the mouth of Sauron. In, oh um, hell yeah! Which is one of the coolest fucking parts in the but like in the trilogy. Mouth of Sauron's just is Mouth of. It's been hey, forgive me. It's been a minute since I've seen all of them all the way through, and That's also because okay. I are they just in the is Mouth of Sauron just in the extended edition? Yeah, he's only in yeah. the extended edition of Return of okay, the King. Okay, that's that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's man, all those the designs. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of shit going on in Return of the King, as with all the stuff in the extended editions. It's like all of this is cool, but also a movie can't be four hours long. Counterpoint. Hey, hey, it Zach should Snyder, be four hours long. He's not allowed to be four hours long. Counterpoint. Uh, um, um, if you make a four-hour movie that's the Lord of the Rings, it is the best movie ever made. Period. End of sentence. End of discussion. It's because it's Lord of the Rings. Because it's Lord of the Rings. Um, oh Lord. Um, okay. All right. Um, I, I hey. Uh, we we talked about this before we started. I think I think we should get it out of the way. It's okay. we gotta we gotta it's we gotta talk mail we gotta talk mail yeah it, yeah it's it's impossible not to right so I, yeah. I I made a joke I made a joke um like I don't know what fucking episode it was in probably in Spring Breakers I think when you're we talking about Franco yes of just yes. like we need some kind of catch all whether it's a whether it's an alarm sound that Corey builds or just a catch all phrase of like. This person is either a predator or a racist or an anti-Semite or like just yeah. a horrible, a horrible, like just aberrant human being. But they are in this movie that is an important movie. So we have to talk about them. Yeah. And I don't really want to get into the Mel Gibson personal life stuff. I just want to acknowledge that he is fucking awful. And um, let's talk Mel. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think, I think that I got the bridge. I think I've got the bridge from he's fucking awful too. He's, his, he, he's important for the success of these movies. Like his particular, his particular star turn here is important. Okay. Have you ever heard, and I don't know how it's kind of an apocryphal story, so I can't say a hundred percent whether or not it's true. But have you ever heard the story of how Mel Gibson got cast to be in the first Mad Max? Um, no, I haven't, actually. Okay. Enlighten me. Okay. People in the audience, they might have... I mean, this isn't like a totally, you know, off the rail. People might have heard this before. So, 
The first Mad Max is a tiny little independent product. I mean, th- this also was made for five million for like five million dollars. It's basically, in terms of action movies, a, a tiny little independent production, which is crazy. But the first right. Mad Max was nothing. It was it was George it was George Miller and his writing partner. Uh, who I forget his name. I will look it up and, and put it in there later because he's very important to discuss in these films. But it's it's George Miller and his writing partner and like the people that they got together to get money and like the two guys they borrowed cars from. And like a, 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 a bevy of local Australian actors that Miller has kind of uh, gotten to be his like group of bad guy, like his bad guy gang. And he's doing auditions for some of the roles, principally for Max and, and his family. And he's seeing people for Max. And uh, Mel Gibson was not an actor. He at the time was a day laborer. He was working, I believe, on an oil something like that um and his friend was an actor and he asked him to drive him to this audition and so mel gibson gets in his motorcycle and drives his friend to this audition and he has nothing to do so he's hanging around and george miller sees the friend and is like okay yeah i don't know he's just not uh, he's not exactly what i need he's not exactly what i need i don't know you know and uh and then he sees mel gibson who is at the time covered in oil and dirt and he's wearing a leather biker jacket. And he, he says, Hey, will you read these words? And having never acted again, George Miller was like, this is the guy, this is the guy. There is something in this man's eyes. And this is the guy, this is not Max. This is Mad Max. There is something legitimately deranged about what's going on behind this man's eyes. And he came into this audition covered in mud and oil. And so he's Mad Max. And that is whether, again, it's an apocryphal story. How true it is, whether or not it's true, I think perfectly captures the thing about Mel Gibson, which makes him correct for these films, which is that no matter how charming or handsome he got, there's something about him that I think his real life persona has backed this up is deranged is, is just a little bit off it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, I think that's very fair. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it, (laughs) Oh, what could have been if he just, what could have been if if that man just got a ride from a different friend, but um, very, very small side tangent. Um, that's like a very similar story to the guy who played Pi in Ang Lee's Life of Pi. It was something very similar. Um, his brother yeah. went to audition and he went to the audition with his brother. And it was one of those things where it was like, he had never acted before, never really cared to, but it was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll give it a shot and like got the role. But that's neither here nor there. I just think those stories are very funny. Anyway, back to Mad Max. I don't know. Like it's, it's great. I mean, it is a, I don't know what I was expecting. You yeah. know, like I certainly wasn't expecting it to be bad, but I just, I don't know. I, I think something, Carson, that you were hitting on earlier, you were talking about the the screenplay and like the way that the dialogue is written. And I think, I mean, God, I think there's probably less than eight minutes of actual dialogue there's so in this movie. Um, yeah. Which is there's something there's something fantastic about that because you're right it is like a perfectly structured screenplay I'd actually be really interested in um, in reading what the screenplay is because George Miller is the kind of person who especially with Fury Road like with Fury Road yeah. he had every second of that movie storyboarded before they like before they they shot anything and so it is this thing where it's like George Miller as as the director the writer director of these films I know is very um, like has it has a vision and it's like he sees it in his head and he gets that on film and like so I, I i really wonder what the screenplay looks like because frequently if you're writing a screenplay if there's a big action sequence you know if you're a screenwriter you don't know how to write about cars you know you're like you're like a big yeah car chase happens and these are like the big beats in it but like you kind of let the directors and the stunt performers and like those people handle what those things actually look like so in a movie like this where it is like George it's all in George Miller's head is he writing out beat for beat everything in the screenplay or is this screenplay like 37 pages long because it just says like 
you know, so I, I'm very curious because it is a very well structured film. And I, I have in my notes, like it almost plays like obviously sound is a big part of these movies because there's, you know, there's a lot of explosion sounds and the sounds of like revving engines and sounds of like screams and whatnot. But in terms of the amount of dialogue, like almost all of the story is just conveyed through image, yeah. which is really fascinating. Um, and I think it's very fun that they don't even, they don't ever have to use dialogue to explain the objectives. You know, like in a lot of sci-fi movies, they're like, oh, like, you know, this is Katana. She has a blade <laughs> that steals your soul. <laughs> like, you know, you have to, you have to like, you have to let people know the rules. And like this movie, it really is just as simple as like, uh-oh, bad guys are rolling up into town. What do we do? Yeah. I guess we're going to shoot at them from afar. Oh, no, they got past that. Now they're at the gate. What do we do? Uh, I guess we, like, throw things at them. Uh-oh, they're in the, they're in, they're through the gate. They're in the encampment. What do we do? We go fight them down there. You know, it's a very, like, tactile movie where they don't even have to, like, give terms of things. They don't even have to give things names, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because there's no, like, there's no like we, there's none of this. We have to get the tesseract to the flux capacitor to the, you know. It's just, it's just we want to leave this place, but bad guys want in this place. So if the bad guys are coming here and we're trying to leave, we have to fight the bad guys. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! They're gonna Lord Humongous is going to um, eat us. I think. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever he's gonna do, it's not gonna be good. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, kind of famously, like, Fury Road was, like you said, heavily storyboarded, but the actors were given basically no script until, like, right, day right. of day of shoots, you know, because there, wa there wasn't one uh, to give. Right. Which, uh, as with many things on that shoot, just sounds uh, utterly, utterly hellish. But yeah, oh, so I, I mean, it's, it all sounds terrible, but there's like interviews with Tom Hardy where he literally is just like, I didn't think this movie was going to be good. Like half yeah, the cast yeah. like is like, I thought this movie was going to suck because it was just like this thing where George Miller would just be like, okay, now I need a shot of like you doing this. And he like assembles it. And like, when you have that like image A followed by image B followed by image C, like, there's a story there, but when you're just shooting image C, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Um, which is like so much of like the vibe of this movie is it's just like, I don't want to say Rube Goldberg machines because they're not, it, it's not really that, but it is just this thing of like, it is just like a, a sequence of the vehicles moving around and like, like with, in relation to one another and there's no dialogue between them. You know, there's never a thing where Max is like, oh no, they shot out the tires. We got to go do the thing to raise the stakes. It's just, yeah. you see it. Like it's yeah. there on the screen. It's the, the back and forth, the second time that Max meets the gyro captain and the back and forth in the yard is, is, is that exact thing. It's like, there's, there's a lot of talking that's going on. Like, like Spence is doing a lot. He, he maybe has the most dialogue in this movie. Um, yeah, definitely. But like he's doing a lot of talking, but his talking is totally superfluous to the actual back and forth between the two characters. Like Max overpowers him in a way that has nothing to do with what Bruce Spence is saying. You know, right? And, and yeah. th that's a good point because, like, an another thing that I wrote down in my notes too, as well, is just that um, a lot of the dialogue that is there isn't even like, like story driving in terms of in giving information a lot of it is there as almost just like like tone building you know like yeah. after they get into the into the compound and they fight off like the bad guys the one with the red mohawk says like you can run but you can't hide and that's the only line spoken you know he yeah. doesn't say something like okay max like you won this round but like tomorrow night we're gonna come back with more guns and we're going to kill all of you yeah. he just you know there isn't a there isn't like here is information that needs to be presented he just takes one line to ratchet up that menace one one thing and it's the same thing too when um at the like kind of the beginning of the final battle um lord lord humong humongous is that correct lord humongous yeah lord humongous just he just has the speech about how like no one's getting out of here alive just like you know it, it's to incite fear but it's not to give plot information 
Um, yeah. Other than like the thing that's already been clear from moment one, which is, well, they're here to kill everyone. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is just it, it, it's 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 tension ratting, you know, or ratcheting rather, like you said. Yeah. Uh, I, I do just want to real quick because I was looking at the um, I, I did want to shout out uh, Byron Kennedy is the producer of this the first three Max films um, and is uh, is the person I was thinking about earlier George Miller's like close personal confidant uh, the two of them like on the first Mad Max I, I believe that they like there was a while where like Kennedy was going to direct and Miller was going to produce and they they did that back and forth for a while and then eventually they fell into this. So like he was the main collaborator for Miller until he very, very tragically passed in the middle of like right in the middle of pre-production for Beyond Thunderdome. And that is another reason why I think Beyond Thunderdome is weird and, and not as good because it feels like a movie that was half made and then just kind of stopped. Yeah. But yeah, Byron Kennedy, very important to these films and their success. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, that's good context. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, uh, I mean, again, like we said, this movie is, is, is despite all the trappings, like despite how like very well, the world feels very well realized. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it was the first because I don't know that I necessarily know the history, the film history well enough to say it but there is like this kind of post-apocalyptic story this like desert bound everybody's kind of dressed in armor made of shit that used to be you know sort of apocalyptic story that i i feel like was if not started by this movie at least like very you know crafted into what it is now and then well asserted into the public consciousness by this movie um i don't think that that's that's wild to say like i I, and i I think that it is now so popular that it's weird to think of a time before this was an aesthetic and a genre that existed and i think it's um at the beginning the kind of weirdness of the first mad max compared to this one it's why i think it is very good and it's it's weird to think that like if the next three films were not made i i think it would have been you know still a a very cult classic sort of interesting uh, curiosity piece of Australian action cinema. And it is worth, worth watching on its own merits. But I think part of the reason why watching that and then watching this is such an interesting exercise is that you can see the construction of this, this aesthetic and, and frankly, this genre of, of post-apocalyptic storytelling kind of being made between those two films because it it both feels like a very radical reinvention of the first film but also like a natural logical progression yeah no i mean i i completely agree i mean it it does shift the focus a lot from um a lot from the you know i mean like we said in the beginning like he's still a cop in um in the first one like there is still like some Law. and there's scenes that take place inside of buildings like real buildings that were not like hastily constructed in the wasteland and yeah. so it is this thing made of aluminum like, yeah like i think that um it's it's one of those things that it does a lot i mean this movie is like the epitome of show don't tell but like it is that thing where if you have that first movie you kind of got to spend some time like talking about you know, like you have to give a little bit of information on why the world is the way it is. And like, it, mm. it, it, it leads people to be a little more confused. Like you watch the first one year and you're like, I thought that was post-apocalyptic. What's going on? Or like, if you just focus on, they're all out in the desert and it's just cars. You're like, got it. You're like, yeah. I got it. Like, I, yep. I know there are no buildings. I know that the, like, you don't have to tell me any of those things crumbled. You don't have to tell me that like, you know, it's just, you get it and you're there. Um, yeah. I, and, and there's that great, I mean, the opening few minutes of the film is that, you know, the, the montage of, of, of newsreels of like, yeah, the gas wars and then the nukes went off and then everyone went to war and it was bad. Like, and it, it leaves you also to question is like, is, is, wait, is it, is it just that Australia is like this? Like, are there like kind of society like elsewhere? And just everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Don't go to Australia. It, it, it went weird. Like there's definitely that possibility. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it, I think we take it for granted so much. Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, a, there's, I, I imagine there's a little bit of that in the road. I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't seen it, but 
I mean, it's it's the Fallout video games. You know, they crib so heavily from Mad Max. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's man, but I so the end. I was also uh, I'm I'm gonna jump in for a second uh, along those lines. I I was having not seen the first one uh, or the third or the fourth one. This is the only Mad Max movie I've seen. You haven't seen Fury Road. I have not seen Fury Road. Damn, you should go go on. I'm Uh, reeling, but go on. No, it's on my list. I, I I. overall really liked this I, I it's one of those movies that i was like i finished it and i was like i, I don't know that this is my thing but i can i can like identify that this is a very good sure. movie um i was also just along the lines of like the video games i found myself thinking multiple times like oh i've played this level before i've played this level <laughs> yeah. in a video yeah, game yeah, yeah, or yeah. the the shots of the cars where they would flip uh the thing up caroline i know you're watching fast and furious movies right now yeah flip the thing up and then do the nitrous i was like oh fast and the furious stole it directly from oh oh 100 percent well literally like the the whole in every fast and furious movie the and like I'm making my way through the series for the first time. I watched the first one like years ago, loved it, thought it was great. And had never seen any of the other ones. And now that F9 is in theaters, I'm like, my, my goal is to like secretly like try to knock out. I, I I'm through six. So I'm trying to knock out um, seven and eight before, um, before F9 leaves theaters so I can see it. But anyway, um, the whole trick that they constantly pull out in the Fast and Furious, which is cool as hell in those movies as well, is just the, um, like, we are we are in one car. We have to get either into or on top of another car. So we have to climb out of this car while it's moving. And, like, that is the trick they pull, like, that's always the climax of the, those movies, is get, like, that's always at least an element of it. And so to like see this movie in 85 or whatever year this was, um, I just pulled 85 out of my ass, but to see this movie in the 80s doing that, not only like as well as they're doing it in the 2000s and 2010s, but like 10 times more. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's all the time. It's hey, like no joke, like Fast and Furious owes so much to this movie. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean they really kind of established i mean because and not that there were not great i mean look there's fucking bullet before this there's the driver before this but and those are good race there's 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 death race uh that is also a film um but and and i like both of those movies and i like the way they do driving and car action but it is night and fucking day between the way that, you know, cars are used in bullet going down fucking the San Francisco streets and 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 what's going on in this movie. Yeah, no, and- absolutely. I mean, one thing that, like, I kind of wrote down is um, a thing that Miller does really well in all of these movies, including Fury Road and this one, mm-hmm. um, is this... Th- he makes cars feel like both this otherworldly terrifying like power but also this kind of like this natural elemental thing that we tamed like i I was writing uh, when there's two moments in particular in um in this movie which is the first time like the bad guy gang like rolls up to rolls up to the settlement there's that time and then there's the um the final chase when they're spread out across a landscape and i'm like i'm like this is like a roman epic you know like these are yeah. these are these are this is the this is a like a battalion of like of of cavalry like these are horses you know this is a this is an army like approaching you know um it feels mm-hmm. so much more like you know, it feels so much more like the Black Gate at, of, of Lord of the Rings, where like this <laughs> army, like this host marches up to your gate. And, you know, there's there's a group inside the wall and outside the wall. Um, it doesn't feel like cars that are supposed to be on roads. You know, it doesn't feel yeah. like a machine that a human made to get from point A to point B. Yeah, the, the landscape and the society are so thoroughly car-based. 
yeah, that it, exactly. it, it does just feel like part of the landscape. Uh, real quickly, hey, hey, Corey, producer Corey, yes. do you? So the thing, the the That's Fast me. and the Furious thing, where they're like they're opening up the the exhaust vents and they're just like shooting gas into them to like make it go faster. You, you like that? That was pretty cool. Yeah. In Fury Road, motherfuckers, uh, uh, they squirt the gasoline in the in their mouths and they fucking spit it in. spit it into the engine they spit it into the engine and it makes them go fast oh wow it's a good movie this isn't a fury road podcast it's not a fury road this is this is why i said at the beginning my one problem with this movie is that it's not fury road that's the that's why i said it because i knew it was gonna come up um but yeah road is fucking incredible i do have to say it's fun it's so good but like in the final turn and and it and it, it it begs saying because like we said at the beginning like this traps so well with something like evil dead where every movie kind of feels a little bit like a remake of the first movie like it it does feel right. like the first one miller's trying to get at something and then at this one he's trying to get at something and then at fury road he like finally gets there a hundred percent you know um but like and it's even in the i mean and it's great in the fucking the, the end where they just outsmart them where they just they're like yeah have it have the tanker there's nothing in it we're gonna blow you up like it's it's that feels so much like in fury road max saying we go back we go back and yeah yeah it's 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 a very similar like we can't beat these guys with sheer strength but and it's important it's in both films it's very important to the development of max and his relationship with the communities that he's in in both of those movies in road warrior with uh the town that goes on to become the, the great northern tribe uh led by the feral kid which at what point did he learn right. how to speak english okay um, right. I love I love that. I love it's great. that. It's great. Um but like j- just it, it is it is part of the development of both those relationships and also Max as a character that it's like he kind of always starts as like except in the first one because the first one's different. But in the other three films Max always starts out as basically like an animal man. He is barely even a person anymore. <laughs> and then his growth what little growth he has is usually like i guess i use words and i can get along with people sometimes right so like the fact that the trick of beating lord humongous and his baddies is like we can't we we cannot like out strength them we just can't do it we need to outsmart them and they like make a human decision you know that that is is a very important moment of of plot and character and theme coming together because these movies are the thing that i think i love the most about these movies is that they're very humanistic they're about the human spirit yes. they're about humans Correct. like humans surviving and like if we all just work together and we don't try to tear each other's faces off we're actually going to be okay like we can we can do good um yeah so i that's i love that i love the the trick of the end it's great no, yeah, and I mean, like, you you hit the nail right on the head. Um, that's, like, literally exactly what I wrote down is, nice. like, that the, the story and everything is so simple. Like, it's such a simple, straightforward kind of thing that it, like, counterintuitively, it, like, elevates it to, like, a very, like, humanist epic, you know, to the point yeah. where it's it's, like because it doesn't have to cram theme in it's just like wow like this is just like this is just like the most epic example of that thing that we learn when we're kids which is like like help like help each other out like care about like your neighbor you know and because it's such a simple like such a simple idea it like is uh, like performed so epically it becomes this like wow this must be the most important lesson you'll ever learn in your life isn't it like you know what i mean Max um, and and you mentioned it before, but like just the 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 very baseline growth of the movie starts with Max trying to kill the gyrocopter captain, and they you know fuck with each other, <laughs> like the goddamn Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote, and right. that one of the la- their one of their last interactions is just like happy you're here, glad that we're all still alive, like right. Well, and I'm I, glad that you're here because I'd be in de- doo doo if you weren't. Speaking of that first scene, I, uh, it needs must be remarked. Um, yes. 
I love snake helicopter as a trap. Yes, yes. Snake, yes, hel- <laughs> snake helicopter is a great trap. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, just spook him with a snake. And then it is sad that his dog gets killed. That's the saddest part. Of yeah, this I did. Scenario. I did write down in, in all the caps, just like I forgot the the dog dies in this one warning that I got in yeah. the first half. Like it happened. Yeah. I was like, wait, they can't kill the dog. I'm like, wait, Carson told me they killed mm-hmm. the dog. Oh, no, yeah, I'm so they can, sad. They can I had forgotten. The, <laughs> the dog's not I had forgotten. the road. How did the dog not end up? See, I think, I think that they should. This is, I feel like we're heading towards the end now. So I'm just getting goofy. Yeah, but definitely. I feel like the only thing that they could have done to make Fury Road better is in the the several times where like all the faces of the <laughs> the people that he's lost like flash in front of Max's eyes. One of them should be the dog. There should be a like a several seconds of just he sees the dog, and he's like, "Oh no, I failed the dog." And then the dog barks, but like mournfully. Arf, 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 arf in a mournful fashion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um... Well. Uh, Caroline, before we wrap up, anything else you want to get into about Mad Max? No, I mean, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. I mean, I think we just like kind of came to a pretty good button with it. Yeah. In that, like, in that stories like this are, are are very fun because they wear their very simple morals so on their sleeve that, like, you know, it does, you know, there's, there's, it, there's simultaneously so little to unpack, but because they mm-hmm. are so simple, there becomes so much to unpack yeah. and analyze. So I think that's um, just like, I, I feel like we landed on a really good place. And also I just, I have to reiterate how um, obsessed I am with any time people can do shit like this, like with real, with real performers on real vehicles, like, with so many of them going at once, like I can barely walk down the aisle of an airplane. Uh, so just for me, watching these people do this stuff is just incredible. And I, I, I really love this movie. I, I think it excites me on like a visceral subconscious, like, oh my God, like is Max going to get out of your way? And it excites me. And like, how the fuck do they do this? This is so yeah. fucking cool. This is why I love the movie is kind of why. I, I am pretty sure that when I, um, you saw Tenet before I did. And when we talked about Tenet, I'm pretty sure that your immediate review to me was, well, I mean, he drove a plane into a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, he did. He did. That is yeah, true. I mean, he drove, he drove a real ass plane into a real, into ass, a real building. ass building. And it, it was and, pretty and cool. It's, it's very cool. It's very cool. Uh, well, I agree 100%. I love Mad Max for the same reason I love Paddington, which is a weird thing to say. But it's 100% true. Um, great. Uh, hey, hey. Well, hey, that's okay, because I said that I love Mad Max for the same reason I love the Muppets. So I yeah, think yeah, no, apt comparisons. Level, exactly. Oh, God. All right. Oh, oh <laughs> producer you, Corey. Corey. Put, put me out of my misery. I, have, I still have COVID <laughs> for the people tracking that, but... These episodes are going to come in out of order. So, like, you know, if you're tracking the Carson has COVID over the episodes, there's there's still that going on. If you like what you hear, uh, please like and subscribe. Give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We should be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, uh, Stitcher. If there is not somewhere, or if there is somewhere, if there is somewhere that you get your podcasts that we do not live, let us know. How are you going to let us know? You're going to let us know by liking us and following us on all social media. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at HHYNS Movies. Facebook at HHYNS Podcast. And brand new this season. Uh, well, I guess we're six episodes in at this point or something, so I should probably stop saying brand new. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, we uh, today the day we are recording this is the day that the first episode comes out. So to us, That's it's true. This is brand new. Like it's all brand oh, new. Yeah. Like if you're fresh. listening, we've been doing this for several weeks at this point. But to us, oh, it's yeah. still brand new. But if you're if you're listening on September 14th, hopefully the letterboxed won't be as brand new to you anymore. Mm. But we are on letterboxed oh. uh, at HHYNS pod, all caps uh HHYNSP, lowercase O D. Mm. Love that. I love that. I love that. Caroline. Yes. Next week. Next week we are. What is um, it? We are kind of 
We are continuing a bit of a trend here in iconic vehicles in cinema. That's pretty much the only thing. And and kind of like post-apocalyptic, but a very different post-apocalyptic. Um, very different post-apocalyptic. We are uh, going to be watching the, um, the film Akira. Whoa. An anime. An anime. An yeah. Anime. Um, yeah, I joked... Um, I joked earlier when we were planning things that I am, uh, <laughs> I am bringing both of the anime films we're doing this year. So like, I truly am a, a, a queer woman. <laughs> that is, that is how, you know, uh, so anyway, we'll be watching that movie next week. Um, so I think that's all for, um, I almost said Fury Road. I think that is all for the road Warriors. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next week. Uh, yeah. See you next week. And also, Vroom vroom, shoot shoot gun gun, vroom vroom, speed speed. (laughs) 